church transform into a church a benevolent church i mean he was going after the homeless and they were just it just what god did to that church and exploded that church and that community in cincinnati knew about central parkway church of god and ron martin was that kind of leader and you'll know him he's an ex-cop and so he just you know he just knows how it is to be with people and see the need of people so in other words i just like pastor micah said i would appreciate all you to invite your family your friends and come and be with us i would like for ron martin and rochelle to see the church of god rodney pike church of god family and so uh, this your home church please be here that day any way possible and when I scheduled him before, it was March 15th, 2020. And that was the Sunday we had to cancel and not and close the doors of church for a while and have all uh, digital services for a while because of the pandemic. Uh, the Sunday he was supposed to come, that's when we had to deal with the pandemic. And so I thought we'd wait a little bit, let things kind of move along, and now he's going to come with healing in his words i'm sure and so we just thank the lord for it so make plans on uh it's going to be september the 12th no he's not he's not fancy he's going to fit right in this area i'm telling you i i believe the guy might he should have been born around here he's He's just like all of us here, and you'll appreciate his personality, his style, and he's funny, and he's just a, just an awesome man. So I want you to be able to meet him. I'd like for him to meet Rodney Pike Church of God. Uh, there, are over, there are 200 churches in our state, and so uh, it's an opportunity when an overseer comes that he meet the ministry in this community of the Church of God. So I just thought I'd say that to you. This morning, I want to continue on and share a word on bold. As a matter of fact, God's laid it upon my heart to begin a series this morning that we're going to go on for several weeks. And it's just simply a bold revelation. And I really believe that God is wanting to speak to us as a church. You know, the Lord has always communicated to his church. He's always reached out to his church. He's always been there and been doing ministry. He doesn't leave us hanging. He reveals himself. Everyone here, how many here this morning are born-again Christians? Raise your hand. You have already experienced the glory of the Lord. You've tasted something that one of these days we're going to see it in a magnified form. But we know that God is real and God is good. For we've tasted and know, we know that the Lord is good. And so... The Lord has always revealed himself, but today, I believe that we are living in a very strategic time, a very strategic time where that the things we do and what we do and how we live are very important for this moment. If we believe we're living in prophetic times, and I do believe we are, and if we do, do believe that these are the last days, don't you think we need to really pay attention to what we're doing and how we're living and really pay attention and hear the revelation that God wants to give you in your life? They call it an epiphany when you come to a realization of God and having 
epiphany of Jesus and who he is. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Then we're also going to, in the next several weeks, we're just going to keep on with this until we finish. And I know that God's going to speak to us. So I want you to be praying for me. I want you to be praying for yourself and say, Lord, speak to me, guide me, let the word come alive in me. And let me tell you this. Come every Sunday during this series. Come. Don't miss one week of it, but come and God will bless you. I tell you, I thank God for, for the uh, Facebook Live and people can watch and some people are joining today. I thank God for it. But God didn't call me to be a televangelist. He's called me to be a pastor. Pastor is a very connective thing. It can't be digitally produced because some people are watching they decide they're going to step in the kitchen and give them a sandwich and miss some of the things being said because it's just ministry it's not supposed to be digital it can be if need be and thank God for those who are unable to get out of church but God wants us to gather together as a body of believers and truly I tell you in these times gathering together is a step of faith it's, it's, it is a step of faith during these times. So I want to share about bold revelation. Will you stretch your hand toward the front and pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. Father, as we open your word this morning, God, help me, God, to, to share the content that you want me to share. And God, help us to receive what you're speaking to us today, God. I truly believe, God, every time the word is open and the word is spoken, it becomes prophetic and meaningful in every one of our lives for this moment. And it is life-changing, life-giving. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord, and praise you. Amen and amen. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1. And I'm going to read, I put down and gave to the tech person, Revelation 1, so you know what that means, the entire chapter. I tried to piece this up. I tried to chop it up and maybe come to a more uh, condensed model. But I tell you what, I'll preach, I'll try to preach condensely, but I can't condense this chapter. I just can't cut it off. I'm sorry. I, I leave out one thing, and then, oh my goodness, there's this other thing. I just can't, it's all connective in chapter 1. When it talks about seeing Jesus and everything, I can't leave any of that out. So let's just go to the Word of God. Because I believe, I learned it a long time ago, that if I use the Word, I know that the Word's going to do something in someone's life, even if I feel like I fail. God's Word will not return void, but... It will not go out and be void, but it will return. It's going to bring in a return of his blessing. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading from verse 1. How many here have ever read the book of Revelation? Raise your hand. How many here have ever kind of had difficulty reading the book of Revelation? Well, don't worry. I don't plan on preaching on the entire book of Revelation this morning. But I want you to study. We need to study and know the word of God. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let the Holy Spirit teach you. But in Revelation chapter 1, John begins this book and he says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John 
who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think John really got really got going on this introduction you know what I mean he started feeling you start talking about Jesus we're going to just going to have to talk about Jesus a little bit who he is and what how important he is so in the introduction then he says what Jesus had said I am the alpha Jesus said I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end says the Lord who is and who was and who is to come the almighty I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to uh, Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voices spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white as wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first, and I am the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which have been have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches.
The word revelation means something revealed or disclosed. Something not before realized. That's a revelation. The theological definition of the word revelation is an instance of God's disclosure of himself and his will to his creatures. Something communicated that contains such disclosure as the Bible. It's common in our time we live in right now that many things that are going on in our world does not have a full disclosure of all the facts. Do you feel like we're walking about and somebody just isn't telling us everything? I mean, this is the information age. And the problem is we have so much information, we, we don't know how to handle it. And the one thing about information is if you get some, then it leaves you always wondering and waiting and wondering about because it's not complete. It's a piece of information. You haven't gotten all of it. It makes you want to dig into and wonder. Makes you question. Make you doubt. No wonder these are doubtful times. This is the age of information. And we're getting bombarded by information we don't know. And we kind of feel like, I don't know about you, but I kind of feel like people tell me some things, but they're just not telling me the entire piece. You know what I mean? How many here feel like you're being treated like a child sometimes? Come on. I mean, I... I, I I've, I've way outgrown the age of being six years old, okay? I'm, I'm ten times that, okay? It's just, you know, I'm not six anymore, and so therefore, therefore the fact is, give me the facts. Give me the facts, the complete facts. Kind of like the old Dragnet show it used to be, ma'am, tell me the facts, all the facts, that what that detective would say in this monotone voice, ma'am, share the facts, all the facts, nothing but the facts as he's trying to write down what the testimony is, what the witness is saying. So I'm telling you today, I want all the facts. I want a completeness. There's a hunger in me wanting to know the truth and the complete truth. And so therefore what I'm saying is don't be caught up in the things of the world because the world's going to always leave you hanging. Don't be caught up with, with the reports of the news and the media because they're always going to leave you hanging. You're always going to feel manipulated and not enough in here. I want to encourage you maybe take a fast for a while from it, okay? We kind of know the basis of what's going on. There's been a pandemic. There's been a vaccine. We got that. We got a president. We got all this. We got all those facts, so we got it, okay? And many times I get information, and I'm feeling totally helpless. I can't do anything about it. I don't, I don't think, except get mad. Anybody ever get mad at television or... The news, the media, you know. Oh, my goodness. You know, there's, there's so much information going out there. Husbands and wives are arguing just because they just feel like arguing with somebody. You know. Because you can't talk back to television because they don't, they don't hear you. So it's, it's frustrating. So I want to tell you, if you want your peace, gain it. Claim it. Put your trust in the Lord. Trust in God. Don't be ignorant. Don't be stupid. Then be aware, okay? But put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if I get really antsy about drinking coffee, guess why do I quit drinking so much? I'd learn to do that, but I still like coffee. And I drink it every once in a while, but maybe not. I don't carry around a great big bubba all the time with coffee in it. This is my bubba. Great big cup and mug, you know, carry around. I mean, if you do that, I'm not preaching at you, okay? I'm going to talk about me. 
My wife knows that maybe I need to go to decaf for a while, you know? She knows more than anybody. So let me get back to this message. I'm just telling you, sometimes we feel like we're in the age of manipulation. There's not full disclosure. It's a holding back perhaps for the, for the good of people, but then also the cause of manipulation, this lack of complete information. I don't know. God knows what's going on. The apostle John, in his old age, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Peter, James, Andrew, and the whole crew were gone. They were dead. Even Paul was gone. And John was the only one in his old age on a rocky island of Patmos. No doubt he must have felt isolated and alone. Have you ever felt alone before? And isolated in a corner? And there's nobody nowhere your house the walls of your house ever start crowding in on you because you feel like you're so alone and you don't know what you're going to do that rocky barren isle of patmos off the coast of turkey was an oppressive place i believe the devil wants to oppress the people of god he wants to put you in the dumps and in depression all the time so that you won't ever claim the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. And so you need to claim it. And how you claim the joy of the Lord is that you meditate on the Lord. You think about the Lord. You put him first place. You make him the morning, noon, and evening news. Let Jesus be that. that let the reports come in about Jesus and just begin to meditate on the Lord I know I know you do that some of you wouldn't be able to live right now if you if you hadn't if it hadn't been you meditating on Jesus Christ and on the Lord but on that rocky Isle of Patmos off the coast of Turkey it was an oppressive place the origin of the word Patmos is unclear but it's believed maybe it came from the verb pateo I didn't say potato I said pateo in Kentucky, where I'm from, it was potato, okay? But tater, but in, but in the Greek, it's potato. And so potato is a verb, and the verb means to tread or walk. The name of the isle could have meant getting stepped on. That's Patmos. Getting stepped on in a place that's rocky and barren, unfruitful, without possibilities without an excitement it was a place of exile there were many islands around Patmos off of Turkey but this Patmos was 30 mile radius a 30 mile circumference island and that's how big it was and it was mostly rocks and a place that the Romans would send people to exile them from everybody else in other words it was a depressing place if anything, the Romans were masters of, they were masters of intimidation. They, when they crucified people, it was for the intimidation of the community. And they would leave them hanging on the cross so everyone would see hanging their dead bodies and people which they crucified in a horrid death. They were masters of intimidation. And here is John placed on the Isle of Patmos in exile because the Romans knew exactly what they were doing. They were going to get it, John, because 
John was there, and John was a criminal, an outright criminal. Now, in our world today, they'd say, you know, John really should have been sent there. In the world of you, because he broke the law, he's a criminal. I'm telling you, saints of God, don't be offended one day if there's a warrant sworn out for you because you believe in Jesus Christ. You may be a, a criminal. John was placed on the Isle of Patmos. And the thing is, is that he said the reason why he wrote it in this in the scriptures for the I'm exiled for the crime and the crime he committed was for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ he was a criminal he was arrested he was exiled but you know what the world can put a label on you but if you hold firm to the label that God has placed on you it doesn't matter what the world says the world can call you a criminal the world can call you a hater the world can call you a racist. But if you know your label, God's placed upon you as son and daughter, child of God, sons, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and that you've been blood-bought and you're in the family of God, and that you are a Christian. There's going to be a lot, a lot more emphasis on what the, the strength and the, uh, and the reality, what it is to be a Christian. I say hold fast, hold firm, don't compromise, don't give in to pressure. Love people when they hate you. That's what our master told us to do, to love them, those that hate you. Because the Lord's given us victory. Hey, you've been labeled. You're a Christian. Aren't you glad? I'm glad I'm a Christian. I think we ought to wear T-shirts. I'm proud to be a Christian. I thank Jesus that I am a born-again Christian. I say there ought to be a revival of witness wear going on around here. Not a political statement, but of your Christian faith in the Word of God and the belief in Jesus Christ as being your Lord. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed, are we? Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not ashamed. Go and ask them, ask them this, are you a Christian? Okay, there you go. Some of you might say, I got the t-shirt on. What are you saying? What's going on? Okay. But I want us today, as John wrote about, I want us, some, I want us today to catch a glimpse of Jesus this morning. I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to tell you this, okay? I, I did this study, I was thinking, I want to give out, I want to give a challenge. Can I give a challenge? I mean, people challenge over anything and everything, you know? People put out a challenge of apple pie recipes on social media, okay? I'm going to put a challenge out to use this. Get a picture of Jesus. Get a portrait of him. Get a picture or drawing and put him in your home. Put it in your home. I want to challenge parents. If you don't have it, do it. Get a picture of Jesus that maybe relates to your child. Your child liked it. Help them. Let them help pick it out. And you put it in their bedroom. You put it in their bedroom. Do you know what I was just thinking? I don't have one of the old bishops to talk to. 
I don't have the, you know, not the very early church like the apostles, but those later on after 300 A.D., I don't have them to talk. I, I don't have them to talk to the, those who built the great cathedrals. But I will tell you this. They realized there was an importance of an image. There was an importance to see Jesus in their cathedrals, in their churches. There was an importance to see the Lord and have an image of him. When I was a little boy, I'd go to Grandma's house. This is before Grandma moved to a trailer, but when she was in, had a house and lived in that house for 37 years. And so I'd go to that house. When I was a small child, maybe you can relate to what I'm saying here. See if you can grasp. Maybe you can remember. But in that house, they, Grandma had a busk of Jesus. And Jesus' face, and honestly, it wasn't a beautiful thing because it was him as he was hanging on the cross the crown of thorns and the sweat and the blood coming down his face but it was so lifelike and when I was a child I looked at that and stared at many times you know what I still have that image in my in my memory of seeing Jesus in that house and knowing what suffering even before I became a Christian I realized that man really went through something then when I heard the message of Christ and salvation I understood I could put a picture of Jesus and his suffering, and that busk was in my mind when he hung on the cross and he gave his life for me. We live by images, and the world knows it. That's why we're inundated by images today. The devil knows that our society is bombarded with images constantly. Constantly. So I'm saying to you, encourage you, put up, I challenge you, I tell you what, take a pic of it and put it on post on Facebook of your picture of Jesus in the home. Your children, when they get up out of bed, let them see Jesus. When you're about ready to leave the house, let, let you see Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? The image. We don't worship pictures. And we know, we don't know what Jesus looks like. We all have our imagination. But by all means, put a picture of Jesus in your mind, in your memory. So you can remember him and know and have an image of him. Because when all the world, all the world may sell against you and the Bible is not available and you can't read scriptures, but there will be the image of the master because I remember that and I know you do too. How many here know what I'm talking about? You know, those, those pictures, those portraits, you know, have a, have a picture of Jesus there in your home. So how many here, I, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm looking forward to seeing the posts on Facebook. My my picture of Jesus. Jesus is in my home. Go ahead and put, put it that way. Hashtag Jesus is in my home. Jesus is in my home. Well, praise the Lord. I know nobody's shouting here, but I, somebody's listening, I think. Amen. You know, <laughs> I'm addicted, okay? I'm Pentecostal, okay? I got to have some response. Okay, now, Jesus in the house. I even remember when I a little boy, I started going to Assembly of God Church, Adair Assembly of God. Someone sent me a video of my mother years ago, years ago. I mean about 30, 40 years ago of her in the service, in a worship service, and they kind of scanned the crowd, and there was my mom. She's been gone now for a while. Went on to be with the Lord. There she was raising both her hands like she does, and I can hear her say, I love you, Jesus. Okay? But in that church, a most amazing thing, and I'm going to try and be short here because i got to get more to the message. In this church was this great big painting. 
that always admired me in the sanctuary. I was always, I always noticed it. It was something you couldn't help but notice. It was Jesus in white and was in the clouds, and his hands were stretched out, and his ascension, or he was coming back. I like to think he was coming back, but he's in the clouds. And as he's there, you see this glow around his hands and his head and his feet. Now, the pastor shared the story of that painting, and he had had that painting for many years. He had a friend that was in the Korean War that got saved in a foxhole, and he was an artist, and he gave his heart to the Lord, but then he backslid. But the pastor went and asked him, since he was a great artist, will you paint a picture of Jesus for my church? It's a large, large painting. He said, okay, I'll do it. He, the pastor was going to pay him and everything. So he started painting. Well, what happened was when he painted the picture, and this is what this, is what this man said. He said, I'm going to paint Jesus the way I think Jesus looked. He was strong. He wasn't some, you know, look like frail sissy here. He was a strong man, carpenter, had some muscles, had some strength and stuff. So he painted him, and what happened was when he thought he was finished and he covered it up and he called the pastor to come the next day, that evening, he went and looked at it again, and when he looked at it, there was glow around the hands and the head and the feet. Now, he thought, now, I didn't paint that in there. I got to. So he started painting around it. And the next day, there it was again. And he called the pastor. Oh, don't come and get it yet. You know, I'm not finished yet with it. And he went four times over that around the feet and hands and his head till finally called the pastor. He said, I want you to come get that picture. I want out of my house. He says, it scared me to death. I don't want around me. I'm just upset. You know, he was really shocked and rocked because that was the yellow glow was still around his hands and feet. He couldn't paint it away. You know, that's what the world's trying to do. They're trying to paint it away, but they can't. It will keep shining through no matter what. And I went up there at the pastor preached that I went up there as a boy and I looked at that picture and sure enough, all this thick paint around the hands and the head and the feet of Jesus. I don't know whatever happened through the picture. And I'm not trying to be kind of supernatural, spooky, kind of crazy-like. But I want you to know I never forgot that image, and I still have that image in my mind. And the picture of Jesus, our Lord, my Lord, my Savior. I don't know who Jesus is to you, but he's, he's my Lord. I don't know what kind of relationship you have with the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's the greatest love of my life. He's everything. Can I get a witness this morning? Somebody say, he's everything to me. He's everything. Pastor, he's everything to me. And here's John. You know, we need to catch a glimpse of Jesus. We need Jesus in the house. We need Jesus because I tell you with my memory, when I am wounded, I see my, my mind to the portrait of Jesus holding a lamb and understanding my hurt, my difficulty when I've been wounded. Do you picture that, huh? When I need healing, I see the scene in the movie, The King of Kings. You know, I've got memories. This goes all over the place. When I go to preach, you wouldn't believe what bombarding in my head. But I go and have that memory of that movie King of Kings. How many of you have ever seen King of Kings? It, it is it rather an old, old version of Jesus Christ. And Jeffrey Hunter was the actor played Jesus. He was a blue-eyed Jesus. I don't know if he's... But, but 
whatever, you know, and it was, I, I think it was black and white, uh, maybe, when the movie was made. Maybe it's in color. But there's a scene, when I need healing, I see the scene of the movie King of Kings where a shadow of a hand, presumed to be Jesus, shows up on a wall, and there's a man that's, that's crept down that's blind, as you can see his eyes, and then when the shadow reaches up of the hand, that suddenly his eyes start clearing up as that incredible musical score is playing and he's being healed. You say, call me crazy. You know, you might call me crazy, but that's okay. I'm enjoying my insanity. I'm enjoying it. And I say if this, and I so I see when I need healing, I see the hand of Jesus. I see the love of the master, amen. I know he heals, and I can hear that score of the music, and, and I can know I'm going to be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Images really matter. When I have a financial need, I imagine a picture of Jesus I've seen of in an open field with thousands around him, and he lifts a basket with, with a, of a little boy's lunch of fish and bread, and he blesses this, and then suddenly it changes and multiplies as the disciples begin to serve out to the thousands with uh, uh, five little biscuits and two little sardines and he fed thousands in the field and when I see that picture I know my Lord will take care of me no matter what Amen. and I remember the scripture never seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging for bread God will take care of you maybe you're facing a financial need there is a master get a picture of it and know what the word says and say I believe Lord that you provide Hallelujah, hallelujah, it is Kelly in our minds. Images. When I've sinned, don't look shocked, but when I've sinned, I see the bruised, broken, bleeding body of Jesus on the cross being offered for me. Anybody here know what that image is? You got that? Yeah, oh yeah, hanging there just for me, for my sins. When I preach a funeral, and at that moment I'm challenged with the thoughts of my own mortality, and the older I get, the mortality becomes more relevant. And so therefore, the funerals I preach now many times, sometimes it starts hitting me a little bit of my own thoughts of my own mortality. I see the artwork of a scene of a stone rolled away from an empty tomb and on an early Sunday morning. I'm going to live forever. Because I serve and you serve the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Got that image? Do you, do you get that image at times, you know? You know, and when I've heard enough on the news about the wickedness of this world and why I feel choked, literally feeling disenfranchised from this world, I don't get this world anymore. I got to be honest with you. I don't get it. I mean, blame it on my age, but I don't get this world where we're going and we've shifted and gone in a place and where morality is, seems to be a craziness if you live a moral life and godly life. But I'll tell you what, hold up, uh, hold on to Jesus Christ, believe in him have his face before you and know that though the world slay me yet will I serve him that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world hallelujah I imagine the pictures I've seen of Jesus in the air with all his angels and the trumps are being blown and the saints are rising up in the air 
I'm reminded this is a temporary place. I'm reminded this is not my home. I'm reminded my citizenship, real citizenship, lies in heaven above any other paperwork about me or a card and number that's been given to me. I'm a number that's written down in heaven and not only a number but a name is there. My name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Can you see Jesus? Can't you see Jesus? Oh, my goodness. You see, my Lord. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Let me tell you, there's some things we can find from this occurrence, this encounter, this experience John had with the Lord. Is number here's one thing you can a nugget to grab hold of is that while you're facing adverse conditions, you can be in the spirit. Devil squeezing on the outside and God filling on the inside. He puts pressure on the outer and God puts power on the inner. And I can do anything and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Hallelujah. Let that be your confession. Hallelujah. That while you're facing adverse conditions, while you're on the Isle of Patmos, and while you're on a place where you're getting stepped on according to the world, you can be in the Spirit. You can walk and talk in the spirit. You can go and work in the spirit. While those around you in a workplace, you may work in hell's kitchen, but you can walk in hell's kitchen in the spirit. One preacher said, he says, I feel like the power of God that I'm walking into hell, but I got a squirt gun. God, you got to realize you're in the spirit. You're in the flesh, you're going to fail. You're in the flesh, you're going to complain. You're in the flesh, you're going to doubt. In the flesh, you're going to fall. But in the spirit, you're more than conquerors through him that loved you. In the spirit, you see things differently than what you do in the natural. In the spirit, heaven is opened up and the face of Jesus is revealed and there's a bold revelation given to you while you are in the spirit. The Bible says, so walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It didn't say only on Mondays, only on Tuesdays. Maybe on Wednesday, but then when we get closer to the end of the week and then we get, you know, we don't do that until finally we get to church and then we're back in the spirit. It doesn't work that way. It's every day. There's no condition, timeline, limitation. Every day we can walk in the spirit. Every day we can be in the spirit. Now, John here, he says he's facing adverse condition. But then he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Now there's some kind of debate over the Lord's day. Now there's some theologians believe the Lord's day is what he's seeing is the day of the Lord. And maybe that's so, but hey, I'm from Kentucky. And the Lord's day is more of the obvious. 
I believe, just as Paul wrote in Colossians about giving and mentioned the Lord's Day being the first day of the week, I just happen to believe it's the Lord's Day and he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. You can't separate Jesus from the church. According to Revelation 1, that's where John saw him hanging out among the seven candlesticks or the seven lampstands, golden lampstands. He's hanging out with the church. He's with his church. He's working with his church. And John says, I'm in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now, if that timing is right, and he saw Jesus there on working with the golden lampstands on the Lord's Day, what do you think he wants to do today? What do you think he wants to do on Sundays? Why do you think we have empty seats in this sanctuary? It's because the devil knows God is about ready to give a bold revelation on the Lord's day to those that will open themselves and be in the spirit because the Lord is ministering among the seven golden candlesticks. Come on, all, come on. Somebody's got to feel this. Somebody's got to realize this. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Amen. Amen. The Lord's day on Sunday. Some of us come in church and we really come in like, thank God it's Sunday. Because everything I've faced all week long. Some people, I ask them as they come in the door, I'm kind of hesitant to ask how you're doing because, man, they really look ill. Really stressed out. Really, the old phrase, bummed out. They come in, but then all of a sudden I see something happen in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. And the Spirit of God gets a hold of you. You're far better. Listen, I'm telling you, your loved ones will think you're a far better person when you walk in the Spirit and when you're in the Spirit. They can tell when you're in the presence of the Lord or if you've been in the presence or whether you're not. I'd get in trouble at church. Mom would point her finger at me like this and give me the look. I'd be across the church, and I knew, I knew that when we got home after church, I was going to get it. And so I started praying, oh, Lord, touch Mama's heart. Oh, Lord, let her get the altar. Let Mama start praying. Oh, Lord, just start moving. And I'm telling you, I saw answered prayer. Because I looked over, and I knew I'd get home before her. But I look over, and I see her, and she's at that altar. Oh, I love you, Jesus. She's bawling and bawling and crying and crying. And I go home, I think, okay, I got a chance. I got a chance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I get home. Mom get home, and she didn't forget about what I did. She never forgot anything. And she'd come in the house. She'd find me. she said, Ronnie Lee. And I'd say, yeah, Mom, I want you to know, son. You need to be corrected and what you do. But son, I'm not going to spank you. And in my heart, I'm saying, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. (laughs) But then she said, but you're in the Lord's house. And you need to pay attention to him. And make the best opportunity of worship. See, I, I thank God for my mom. She taught me how to worship. Make best opportunity of it. And let the Lord touch you, son, because you need Jesus to help you. I'm praying for you, son. I love you, son, and you're grounded for a month. (laughs) 
Oh, whip me now, Mom. Whip me. You know. What I want to say is, what are you looking? What are you seeing? What's the image before you? God wants you to have a bold revelation. Oh, I have more here. I think I'm going to have to continue because the revelations, you read that chapter, and then what John saw, he begins to behold. Listen, he did you notice chapter one? <laughs> oh, hey, churches are mentioned, but it's all about Jesus. I mean, everything John starts writing down is the one he's looking at. It's all about Jesus. Number one, I'm so glad Revelation 1 starts with nothing but Jesus. With Jesus. I'm glad that John started off with nothing but Jesus. It's nothing that Jesus is going to give us the victory we're looking for today. And to pull you out of depression and fear and guilt. What's been trying to make you be silenced? The Lord wants you to open your mouth. He wants you to, to declare his greatness and his glory. Not only in the church house, but out there. There are people need to hear you say, guess what happened to me on Sunday? I got a bold revelation. I saw Jesus. I saw the power of God. I experienced the glory of the Lord. And you can come to church next Sunday and experience the same thing. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But people love passion and enthusiasm. They'll respond to your passion quicker than what they're really hearing what you say. And the world needs it. Well, the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. The White House needs Jesus. Congress needs Jesus. Supreme Court needs Jesus. Our state house needs Jesus, our governor, everybody around. That's why we're praying for everybody, that they might get Jesus. They might get a bold revelation. And God's people need to get a bold revelation. And don't allow yourself to be boxed in or manipulated. But have faith in the Lord, love the Lord, and love one another as Christ. Why? You'll be mimicking Jesus. Oh, God. Show us your glory, Lord. How great is our God. Would you come? How great is our God. I believe the Lord might be. I believe God's speaking to me saying he's one to set some people free. And that song Elizabeth sang a little bit, how great is our God. Can you just sing that for a little bit? And I want to give invitation. Would you stand with me right now? Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, do the work that only your spirit can do. I can't, I can't reach and do the things that only you can do, God. I can see and see evidences of stuff. And I can pray for people, Lord, but you're the only one that can make the difference. There's some folks in here, Lord, I know they need to be set free. Oh, they need to behold and see the glory of you. Need to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Set tamalo honama. In the spirit in the Lord's day. In the spirit on the Lord's day will happen. You come in here one way, you'll leave here a different way. Because of the presence of God. God wants you to have his peace and his joy. God wants you to have a bold revelation of Jesus, who Jesus is, and how great he is. John describes him. I'll touch on that later. 
But I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. He's the Lord. He reigns supreme. Who's in charge? The Lord. Who's over Russia? The Lord. Who's over China? The Lord. Who is over Afghanistan? The Lord. Amen. You say the stuff happening there, it's horrible. Yeah. But the Lord one day is going to judge this world and the offenders. The Lord rules supreme. And everyone will bow a knee before him. And confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The Lord is in charge. Who you putting your trust in? I just feel right now the Holy Spirit's talking to some of you that are down, beaten down, treading down. You feel like you've been walked on. Like you're on the Isle of Patmos. Been walked on. But you're ready to walk in victory. And you know the Lord is the answer. And Jesus is the answer. I, I, I want you, I'm just going to make this altar, I'm going to make this front available right now. I want you to leave your seat. And just come on up here right now. I'd like to pray with you, please. God's speaking to you. Come on. You don't have to leave here like you come in. You can leave here a different transformed. And it's more than a feeling. It's a touch of the master. It's God doing something in your life. Anyone in the house, I know there's people here. You've been facing things. You're discouraged. You're, you're, you're bound by fear. You're facing crisis and difficulties. You're angry. You're going through stuff because the spirit of the age has been attacking and tearing you down. God wants to give you the victory. Just come on up here. I'd like to pray for you. Sing with me how great is our God. All will see how great, how great is our God. I believe there's some more folks want to sing that. Won't you come up here and stand? How great is our God? How great is our God? Sing with me how great is our God. There's some of you others. Oh, yeah, I know you've been a Christian for a while. But just because you've been a Christian for a while doesn't mean that you, you won't suffer defeat. The Lord wants to give you victory. Come on up. God's speaking to you. God bless these ladies. There's some others. Maybe some other students.